Welcome to SEC Unfiltered, home of the best SEC content on the internet. The following is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. You pick two to six players and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. Prize Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry guys. It's literally just you against the projection. They also allow mixed sports entry. So, for example, you can take the over on LeBron, parlay with the under on Mahomes. They've got college sports. Pro sports, literally anything and everything you can think of, they have got it over at Prize Picks. They also have a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play. They're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with rave reviews as well. Guys, so many fans and listeners of SEC Unfiltered have made tons of money with our friends at Prize Picks, and you should as well. Well, so again, go download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com. And when you do, use the promo code SECU to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from SEC Unfiltered sent you. Let's get it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Co-host of Crane and Company, part of the Daily Wire. He's a movie star as well with Lady Ballers doing record numbers. He's also Mr. Get Off My Lawn himself, and he's a Michigan man, so that means he's a national champion. Our good friend, David Cohn of Crane and Company, he joins the show. Dave, what's going on, man? It's great to have you on. First things first, 
congratulations on the national championship. And how long do you think it is before that gets vacated by the NCAA? Well, let's start with the the first thing. Thank you. Thank you for not only having me on, but man, a national championship at the University of Michigan. I mean, what you have to understand is I grew up in South Georgia. All I wanted to do was play college football. I had no intentions of going a thousand miles away from home. I didn't grow up a Michigan fan. I thought I would go to Florida State, hopefully, or maybe Auburn, Georgia, uh, Mississippi State. Uh, Shane Beamer offered me a scholarship when he was at Mississippi State on Sylvester Croom's staff. So I had no intentions of going uh, that far away from home. But when Michigan saw me throw and they offered me a a college scholarship, before my senior year, I told my dad, I said, I have to do this. I have to take advantage of this opportunity. It's the winningest football program in the history of the sport. I want to know how I shake out against the best competition. And certainly I got my taste of that. Sat behind Chad Henney, who was a backup on the Kansas City Chiefs here for Patrick Mahomes the last couple of years. So there's uh, there's definitely levels to this. I just didn't know these past couple seasons and certainly the last decade, if Michigan could win a national title. Uh, I just I didn't know if achieving on the national stage like that was possible for us anymore, just because the SEC has had such a stranglehold on college football. And even then, the Buckeyes in our own conference were the gold standard for a long time. And it's just like getting over all of those humps in the same year. Uh, it's a it's a tall task. It's a tall task for for any uh, any program. And to watch what Jim Harbaugh and this Michigan Wolverines team was able to do, even for the last three seasons, when he said we're going to beat Ohio and accomplish our dreams, or we're going to die trying. That's the kind of guy you want as your head coach. And since he said those words, he went 40 and three the last three seasons, beat Ohio every time, won three consecutive Big Ten championships, and won the national title 15 and 0, perfect season. It's the greatest season in the history of Michigan football. And it was a Michigan guy who played quarterback for Bo Schembechler who delivered that. And so I don't know what his future is going to hold. Sounds like he could join the uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, which would be a great move for him at any uh, at any moment. Um, but then on to the second part of your question, I mean, to watch this team stick together and overcome so much adversity was was even it made it even more impressive to me what they were able to do because if a if a group of guys really is doing something corrupt really is cheating on some capacity even if not every single person in a 150 man roster you know knows what's going on that will infiltrate the psyche and that will be reflected on the field or on the court or in any area of life and 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 under the most extreme you you can still beat some of the the lighter competition but when you go on the road and face Penn State when Jim Harbaugh is Suspended 12 hours before on the plane, it's hard to harder to win that game. When you're facing the Buckeyes, who are already nearly impossible to beat, uh, when you have to go and face them with an interim um, head coach and you still win, and then you beat uh, Nick Saban in Alabama, the greatest college football coach in history, and that ended up being his final loss, and you hold the most prolific offense in the sport to 13 points in the national title game. What validation for this group of young men? And I don't think that anything will be vacated and nothing should be vacated not for uh, for for looking at what the other team is doing out in the open when it comes to the signals 
that they're sending in. Let's get over this and stop kidding ourselves or joking. The amount of uh, media coverage that this got throughout the college football uh, season was disgusting to me. And it would be equivalent to if Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan AD were paying off referees or something. I mean, that's a serious violation. You know, that's that's when you need to start talking about shutting down a football program and vacating wins and all that kind of stuff. But you saw the NCAA president, Charlie Baker, come out a few days after uh, the championship and say, you know, no one in the world now believes that Michigan wasn't the best team and wasn't the true champion. I said, are you serious, guy? Do you get on Twitter? I'll show you a bunch of people who still don't believe it. But if that's the case and that's how you feel, how about you shut down these investigations because you're in charge and Michigan still is technically under investigation, but it doesn't matter. I don't care what happens moving forward, not from a corrupt organization like the NCAA. I don't care what the record books hold. It's just like Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy. I watched him win it. I watched him be the best best player on the field in 2004. And while he may not have that trophy and certainly no one wants any sort of asterisk or any negative attention when you accomplish something so great, I view it as just another, another bump in the road that this Michigan team was able to get over to achieve the greatest season in the history of the program. So David, you mentioned Jim Harbaugh and I want to start with this because you guys actually talked about this on your show this morning of our time recording this it does sound like more than likely Jim Harbaugh is going to head to the NFL. Brian Kelly is a name that has circulated the LSU head coach. You guys have said that's not going to happen. Why do you believe that? And also, is Sharon Moore the obvious choice, or which direction would you expect Michigan to go if and when the Jim Harbaugh stuff comes down and he does depart for the NFL? Well, let's start at the beginning. I think there's three main reasons why Jim Harbaugh will likely uh, return to the NFL. I mean, one, his prior success there. We're not talking about just some college coach who just won a championship and wants to try his hand in the NFL. I mean, he's a proven winner at that level as well. And it's so rare to find a guy who can win at both levels like that. The San Francisco 49ers won one playoff game in 13 seasons before he got there. You know, that was the post Steve Young era from the mid nineties and into the two thousands where they, they really struggled. He gets there and they go to three straight NFC championships and a Super Bowl in his first three seasons. And I think ultimately, you know, the split led from not having personnel control or a a rift with the general manager or whatever the details were. So he decided to return to his alma mater. Um, His prior success is one reason. Two, there's a perfect landing spot right now. Now, the Vikings a year ago, I think he would have done well there and they have a good roster and a good quarterback. And certainly he'll entertain the Atlanta Falcons right now. But the Los Angeles Chargers, I mean, the opportunity to go coach a quarterback, a franchise guy in Justin Herbert, who's already under contract, that's taken care of, elite pieces around him, Austin Eckler at running back, you have a Bosa brother coming off the edge, Ballhawk and Derwin James on defense as well. Um, The the opportunity to go in and compete in that division, I think, uh, is a great opportunity. But then the third piece, like you said, uh, you're talking about Michigan, is um, he came and accomplished everything he set out to do at Michigan. Uh, He will leave the program in a better spot than he found it. He will never be more endeared by the fan base than he is right now. I don't care if he won six championships in 18 seasons the way Nick Saban did. This one right now when we needed it most in the last year of the college football playoff, he'll never be more endeared by the Michigan fan base than right this second. And he wouldn't be leaving the program high and dry this late in the cycle like it would have been possible in years prior because Sharon Moore is the 
Quinn is the is the heir apparent right now. I mean, we're talking about a guy who one was just on this staff who had a perfect season, but also he won, he's six and zero right now as the head coach. Like he filled in when Jim Harbaugh was under these suspensions. He's already walked across the field and shaken hands with Ryan Day after he beat the Buckeyes. That was something Jim Harbaugh didn't do for seven seasons when he was losing to Urban Meyer. That should be the next guy, and that should be the next guy. Even if you told me they're a lock to go eight and four next year, Michigan has one of the hardest schedules in the country. JJ McCarthy has clearly said that he's going to go to the NFL draft. It's going to be tough sledding, especially like. Like, I think Michigan is going to realize how tough it is to do what Alabama and Georgia have been able to do year after year after year. Even when you get over that hump, being able to win 12 games a season like Nick Saban and Kirby Smart have done, it's it's absolutely unreal. Plus, the schedule is going to get so much harder. But you would keep cohesion together in the Michigan locker room when you need it most. A time when the playoff is tripling in size, conference expansion, Oregon, USC, uh, UCLA, Washington all coming to the conference. You're going to have to play Texas at home next year. We've seen, you know, these other programs who've gone out and got coaches who weren't affiliated with the program and the transfer portal is just unleashed. Now, when it comes to Alabama, I think they made the right call because Kirby Smart, who was the heir apparent for a while, took the head coaching job at Georgia. Steve Sarkeesian, who was the the heir apparent for a while under Steve Sarkeesian, took the head coaching job at Texas. Those are jobs you can't pass up. They did the next best thing you can do, which is go get the best coach available. We'll take a hit in the transfer portal. And let's see if Kalen DeBoer can continue on the dynasty in years to come. That was the right move for them. Just like I think right now, the right move would be to give Sharon more a chance based off everything that's just happened at Michigan. And lastly, when it comes to Brian Kelly, why would you leave LSU right now? Forget about fit and conversation. I don't care about anything about fit in Ann Arbor. Uh, You've done the hard part building the foundation already at LSU. You just got the number one quarterback in the 2025 class from the state of Michigan. You won the SEC West in your first year and Nick Saban just retired. Now you're going to tuck tail and run to Michigan. I don't buy any of it. I think it's a contract play. Um, And plus, Michigan and Notre Dame are very similar not just geographically being in the Midwest, but from a tradition standpoint. And maybe it's a little tough for Brian Kelly to watch what Jim Harbaugh just did and have this great team who was able to go toe-to-toe with the SEC and everyone else in the conference and say, I was unable to do that while at Notre Dame. But, you know, that's just something I think it's 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 minutia when we're talking about a guy who's the winningest coach in Notre Dame history left to come to LSU, a, a program where you can just put a fence around that state in terms of high school recruiting. Um, it, it has nothing to do with what's a better job, even though I think LSU has better high school recruiting. LSU and Michigan, to me, are both top six, maybe seven jobs in the country. So we're, you're splitting hairs at that point. But why leave when you've already built up the equity? It, it is kind of amusing to me that two of the last three LSU head coaches have been rumored to leave for Michigan. When I was with the Wolverines, we were supposed to be getting Les Miles when Lloyd Carr retired. That was a different situation completely, though, because Les Miles had been on staff for Bo Schembechler. Uh, it turned out LSU was playing in the national title that year, and the it just the timing was what, what affected everything. So we got Rich Rodriguez instead, which was not great from my standpoint in the type of quarterback that I was on the offense that he brought in. But hey, that's just the way it shakes out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. David, you've mentioned, of course, Nick Saban a couple of times in his retirement. Kalen DeBoer takes over. Uh, your thoughts on the hiring, and how does it shake up the SEC? I mean, you've mentioned Brian Kelly, Texas and Oklahoma coming to the league. Alabama's been somewhat gutted by the transfer portal, although I think there's going to be another spring cycle, and they've added some of those Washington guys and some others as well. But thoughts on the Saban retirement, DeBoer era beginning, and again, the shakeup at the top now. I mean, it Looks like clear path for Georgia, and I think some others could take advantage of Alabama going through change for the first time in a long time. Well, I'll reiterate again, Nick Saban is the greatest football coach in college uh, history, and not just for the championships and the wins, but take this past season, for example. I mean, Michigan had the greatest season they've ever had and Alabama was in control of that game in the fourth quarter with four minutes left. He played them to overtime with one of the least elite rosters He's taken to the playoffs with a new quarterback in Jalen Monroe, new left tackle, you know, uncertainty on defense, lose by double digits at home to Texas, and then follow that up with a very poor performance against South Florida. The ability to withstand that and still go undefeated in the SEC and beat the two-time defending champs in Georgia when you go to Atlanta, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. That's what's going to be so difficult to replicate. Now, on to Kalen DeBoer. What a fantastic hire. I mean, the guy can just flat out coach football, especially in two areas. One, in his ability to develop the talent that he gets, and the second, in his schemes that he dials up. And full disclosure, I have buddies who coach for him. They were on the staff at Washington. Sounds like some of them are coming to Alabama. It's going to be another really fun football season, not for just the the country, but for me personally, watching what these guys do who are brothers of mine um, in new places. So that's going to be a lot of fun. My question, and it's a question that a lot of people have, is that third area, and most importantly in college football, how obsessed with recruiting is Kalen DeBoer? Not can he do it, not is he good at it, is he obsessed with it? Because I watched that other guy, Nick Saban, was absolutely obsessed with it. I'd get calls from high school buddies in the state of Alabama, you know, on Friday night, Nick Saban's driving an hour and a half to watch some guy play or no 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 to to go to go watch a high school play even when he doesn't have a guy there he's actively recruiting because that's how much the relationships in the state meant to him that's what Kirby Smart is doing he's obsessed with recruiting and you look at how the transfer portal is now and guys like D 
Deion Sanders and Lane Kiffin, who are taking this different approach, are going to be getting a lot of talent too. Um, you know, you would think recruiting would become less important in the NIL era because it just comes down to a dollar figure. Well, let's just pay the most money. That's just not, it's not going to be that simple. Not when you're talking about 16, 17, 18 year olds, not when you talk about still having to go into the living room of families and win over in in a a lot of respects, still these parents. I mean, I don't care if there was opportunity to earn money or not. When I was coming out of high school, my parents would have still been in that room talking to the coaches saying, Hey, our son's leaving home for the first time we still wanted to to get an education you know all right what's that going to look like so is Kalen DeBoer absolutely obsessed with recruiting to be able to keep this dynasty going that's what remains to be seen but I think he's going to do an incredible job and another question which nobody will know the answer to but him is does he have uh, an itch to scratch in terms of going and trying his hand in the NFL does he want to stay at Alabama for a few years and then go to the NFL sort of like Nick Saban did at L. You know, if you reverse that situation and Nick Saban coaches at Alabama first, then goes and tries his hand in the NFL and maybe the LSU job opens after we could be looking at a very different landscape in college football if he created that dynasty over in Baton Rouge. But um, I say all that to say I think Kalen DeBoer is an incredible football coach. Alabama did the right thing by going and doing their due diligence and getting a guy who just competed in the national championship. And David, on that note, one of the questions I have, and and you know, I'll ask you this: is do you worry about expectations in Tuscaloosa from the standpoint of there's a reason they say you never want to be the guy that follows the guy, right? I just wonder. I'm not necessarily telling Alabama fans to be patient, but I think you'd mm-hmm. probably agree it's unrealistic to expect Kalen DeBoer to do what Nick Saban did. He's not going to be Nick Saban. He's going to be Kalen DeBoer. No, 100%. And uh, if there is an undoing of Kalen DeBoer in the seasons to come, I think it will be from the Alabama expectation standpoint, not so much his performance. Now, luckily, the powers that be in Alabama, the people who make the decisions, ultimately, they're a little bit more rational than just your average fan. I mean, I, I I heard people saying fire Saban after they lost to Texas. That's how high he raised the bar. Dabo Sweeney's having to deal with a little bit of that in Clemson as well. Raised the bar so high that the first time you go 10 and two or even eight and four, all of a sudden you, know, you got fans calling into the radio station and all of a sudden things aren't so rosy. So 100% Kalen DeBoer is not going to be living up to that sort of standard that Nick Saban set. That doesn't mean that he can't still have success. One thing I'm interested to see is how much of the changing landscape of college football affects uh, how different Alabama performs and how much of that will then be blamed on Kalen DeBoer. What I mean is, you know, with a 12-team playoff now and with Texas and Oklahoma coming uh, to the SEC, you know, teams teams are no longer going to have to go undefeated to win a national title because you'll have more chances, which I think will be a good thing for the sport. But ultimately, with all the things we're talking about, an expanded playoff and name image and likeness and the transfer portal just absolutely out of control. Um, some positive aspects of all that are maybe college football becomes more democratized, right? Maybe there is an increase in parity. If there's an increase in parity, then we're definitely not going to see Alabama win the championship every three years for a decade and a half. Is that going to then be blamed on Kalen DeBoer, even if the same were going to be true for Nick Saban if he stayed? I'm interested to see that. 
David, let's move to the Georgia Bulldogs. I mentioned teams that this opens up opportunity for. I mean, it, we'd be remiss not to talk about Georgia and what this means for them. I, I still look back at the 2023 season. I think it's fair to say they were one of the best teams in college football. Certainly thrashed a, a depleted Florida State team, but still that performance they put on the Orange Bowl was something special. And, and looking too far ahead, David, Georgia's got to be one of the favorites to win it all, right? I mean, it really does feel like Nick Saban was kind of that last thing standing in their way, at least in the SEC. And I would imagine Georgia certainly will be one of your favorites to not only make the 12-team playoff, but maybe win the national championship yet again. Georgia's going to be as good as it gets, man. And, and you know, in, in a sport where the best roster wins the championship more often than it loses it. I mean, that's not true in the NFL. It's not true in college basketball. It's true in college football. Then certainly Georgia and to me, the Buckeyes are going to return two of the best rosters. So they're going to be right up there in the conversation. And I think all the odds right now are spot on. If you force me to pick right here, right this second, yeah, I'd say Georgia wins the national championship. That'd be three and four years. And this past season, let me just say, no one else was wanting to face them. You know, I mean, Michigan wasn't going to want to play Georgia, even though after watching Michigan down the strip stretch there really was like a, a team of destiny thing going on there and as good as that defense was I think it would have been a heck of a football game but Georgia would have given everybody in the country and in the playoff problems this past season and that's after they won back-to-back championships so there was no there was no complacency over there with Kirby Smart so yeah I, I think they're going to be really tough to deal with and the way I watch Carson Beck developed throughout the year and then the way he played in the bowl game too I honestly I think the odds are right in terms of the Heisman Trophy as well he's about plus 750 right now with two or three other guys so he's tied for for the lead in terms of being the favorite Uh, I think he's going to come in and have a fantastic year next year David since you brought up the Heisman odds I'll give you a name that I love Jackson Dart at plus 1800 that's Jake's that's Jake's guy too because of when you talk about a value play Plus 1,800, you look at the schedule, right? First, really four or five weeks, he should be able to rack up his numbers. What they've done in the portal, obviously, and I think this is an old Miss team. What they've done on the defensive side as well to give him some help, balance some things out, if you will. They could win 10 or 11 games, be a 12-team college football playoff team, and he could put up some gaudy numbers in the process. Your thoughts on Jackson Dart and your thoughts on Ole Miss what they've done in the portal. Are you buying the hype on the Rebels going into 2024? Yes, I think they're going to be unbelievable. I, I wish we had gotten a full-strength matchup from Penn State in that bowl game. Uh, the way that it shook out, I think Ole Miss was still going to win uh, just because of what they were able to do on offense. But, man, Penn State, even without Chop Robinson, was getting after Jackson Dart. He was taking hit after hit, standing in there delivering, and they wore Penn State down uh, in, in the second half of that game. It was awesome to see. I think it's just a little taste of what you're going to get in 2024. And those two teams, no two teams in the country benefit more from going away from divisions uh, in their respective conferences. Penn State, you know, being stuck over there in the Big Ten East and then Ole Miss being in the SEC West. I think Ole Miss is going to be very, very good. Lane Kiffin for really the first time that I've ever seen him 
this past season looks focused and looks ready, you know, to say like, I'm, I'm ready to see this through. Let's go accomplish all of our dreams. I think they're going to be in the SEC championship hunt. Jackson Dart is a great play at that plus 1800. And just another name for a dark horse Heisman that, that I've been thinking about is Noah Fafita at Arizona Uh, changes a little bit now that Jed Fish has left for Washington. It sounds like Noah Fafita is not going to follow him there, at least not right now, even though he'll still have some time, but an incredible player that you could get some great odds for on the Heisman Trophy. Now, David, sticking with the SEC, Texas and Oklahoma, of course, will begin life in the best conference in the land this fall. Uh, And we saw Texas, right, go to Tuscaloosa, beat down Alabama. That was earlier in the season, right? I think we'd all agree that Bama team was a little bit different end of year. But outlook for Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC, I know Texas is ready to college football playoff appearance, right? Quinn Ewers is back. Steve Sarkeesian is one of the best in the land. Oklahoma with Brent Venables, I thought, had a solid season. Both these teams laid a good foundation, but when you look at these two, do you feel as if they're set up for massive success in the Southeastern Conference, or do you expect them to maybe be humbled a little bit? Well, first of all, they're two of the greatest brands in the history of college football, and now they're going to come into the Southeast Eastern Conference. I can't wait to see this. I'm really interested to see what new rivalries get created, especially in, the, in these first couple years. Let's just give a hats off to Steve Sarkeesian, you know, a guy who had head coaching opportunities before and had some personal struggles. He goes to be the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban at Alabama, really gets revitalized, and he takes over in Austin, a place where good football coaches have gone to die. Their careers have gone to die. And we've always said, like, what's been going on the last 12 and 13 years in Austin? Like, are are too many people, too many uh, chefs in the kitchen getting in the way with what's going on? And Steve Steve Sarkeesian walked in that first year and said, man, we have a culture problem. There are guys that just have to go. And he made those changes. So to see them this past season be as good as they were, it was exciting. And uh, to be as physical as they were, uh, obviously the the win over Alabama in Tuscaloosa, incredible performance. And if you just go and look at the offensive schemes, some of the things that Sarkeesian was dialing up for Quinn Ewers, especially in the back end um, of, of Alabama's defense with two All-American guys at defensive back uh, was truly incredible you know fell short against Washington but Michael Penix Jr. played really a perfect game whatever he wanted to do with the football he did I think Texas got five uh, offensive plays in the third quarter or something like that you're not going to win a lot of football games but he's going to bring back a quarterback they're going to bring back a lot of pieces at Texas. Obviously, there's going to be some Arch Manning hype, too, for the seasons after that. I think Texas is very much positioned to at least come in and, um, from a marketing standpoint at least, say, hey, we're here and we belong, and they're going to be talked about as much as anybody right in the SEC. Now, how they do on the field, let's see. There's so many things changing right now, um, and certainly they're going to have a lot of fun with some of those old-school rivalries out there with Texas A&M and Arkansas. And then Oklahoma, you know, um, Brent Venables uh, is an unbelievable coach, and it's sort of a different style now from what Texas is doing with an offensive-minded head coach and Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, you know, you got Brent Venables on the uh, who came from the defensive side of the ball, completely different than what they had with Lincoln Riley, uh, who had struggled on defense but was putting up all these points and winning Heisman trophies at the quarterback position. Uh, uh, the Red River shootout this past year was one of my favorite games to watch, and that touchdown pass that Dylan Gabriel threw to close that out was was just an awesome play in a wonderful game um you know they sort of regressed down the stretch i 
Jackson Arrow obviously struggled in the bowl game when I saw him, but I think Oklahoma, like we just talked about, is, is one of these blue blood college football programs that has a a, a great head coach, a great coach at the head man position, and so they're going to be able to come in and win a lot of ball games. You know, um, now can they withstand the grind that the SEC schedule? I mean, week in and week out. I mean, if you look, let's just see right here. I have a piece of paper. Oklahoma's schedule. I mean, they're going to have to play Tennessee at home, then go on the road to Auburn, then they're going to get. Texas they have to bring South Carolina and Shane Beamer home Ole Miss uh on the road like yeah it's going to be an insane grind so let's see how they uh they can stand up to that but um I'm just really excited for the new rivalries that they get created and speaking of schedules David I was going to highlight Texas that non-conference matchup at Michigan what is it week three I think that's going to be an absolute I think it's week classic two. Week, two? week two okay week two yep. That is going to be a classic for sure. I would say easily the game of the weekend. Since we're talking about Texas, Texas A&M, David, I thought it was interesting. I think Jake posted on X yesterday at our time of speaking that uh, this is going to be the least amount of hype that Texas A&M has had going into a season in who knows how long, right? Because it felt like every single year they were the winners of the offseason, the winners of the preseason. We all had egg on our face, or a lot of us did, of this is going to be the year A&M wins 10 games, 11 games, takes down Saban. They've got all the resources. They've got the facilities. They've got the money. They just hired Mike Elko. Can Texas A&M get it done? Like, Do you feel like that's possible for them? Because it's one of those things where you feel like you, be you believe it should be possible, but – at some point, you're like, there's just something missing. Your, your thoughts on A&M and, and Mike Elko taking over and what their ceiling realistically is as a program. Well, from Texas A&M fan standpoint, the ceiling is to win a national championship, which they haven't done in so long. And the fact that they still think that and that's still their goal, I love that I want all college football fan bases to feel that and to experience that. And the fact that Michigan just got over the hump and maybe some of these other programs are able to get over the hump when it goes to a 12 team playoff. Like I said, that will increase parity around the country and maybe for Texas A&M, the best thing that can happen is to come in without so much drama and so many expectations. I mean, a lot of that was brought on by Jimbo Fisher. There are people around the country who just love to pull against Jimbo Fisher. And then some of that was brought on himself with the, uh, you know, the back and forth exchanges with Nick Saban in the off season. So everyone would circle that date. You're not going to get that kind of stuff with Mike Elko. He's just going to go about his business. I think they're going to be very good on defense and maybe that's what's best for them is just to come in and say, you know what, enough, enough, Enough with the the offseason hype. Let's just go in and let's do something maybe that like Missouri was able to do this past year. No one, no one uh is expecting us to do much at all. We come in, let's win 11 and 12 games ourselves and say, hey, we're here and we belong. They certainly have all the resources to be able to do that. David, let's talk some middle of the pack or maybe lower third SEC teams. And I want to get your take on this because right now there's a pecking order in the SEC, right? Your, your upper third, your elites, if you will. Again, that middle of the pack knock on the door and then some programs that are struggling. Mississippi State, South Carolina, Kentucky, Arkansas. Let's say five years down the road, one of those teams – has elevated themselves as a program to be in that conversation, the 12-team college football playoff conversation. Let's just say that because that's going to be a much easier goal to attain than, than winning the SEC. Which of those programs do you look at that maybe right now their stock is low that you would buy low because you see them rising in the coming years? 
Well, for full disclosure, I'm just such a fan of Shane Beamer. I mean, I just like the guy personally from when he recruited me coming out of high school. And I think he's an incredible football coach. He comes from a football family and he's in a place that can recruit really well. I mean, South Carolina, you have access to all of the best recruits in the South and and you can get them and convince them to come there. I just, I refuse to believe that Clemson is able to build up a football dynasty with Dabo Sweeney, but South Carolina can't do something at least similar. So I'm still, I, I want to remain very bullish on Shane Beamer. If, you know, if I take my my fan glasses off um, from the fact that I, I know the guy personally and I want him to succeed, obviously it's 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 go time, right? Like there's no time to waste. You have to have a really good season this next year. There's a lot of questions at quarterback. I think they brought in the, another kid from Oklahoma who he had recruited previously, but it's up front in those trenches where you really have to get solidified if you're going to go toe-to-toe with all of these other teams. I mean, forget about Georgia and Alabama, but you talked about even Kentucky. I mean, Tennessee is going to be very, very good. I'm really, I'm buying Tennessee over the next couple seasons, to be honest with you. Um, but out of the ones you mentioned, also, look, Arkansas, I've seen it be really, really good at Arkansas. When Bobby Petrino was there and they had my old teammate, Ryan Mallett, at quarterback, I've seen them be able to go to Sugar Bowls and to be able to play well. So I was a little surprised Sam Pittman wasn't let go. Again, another situation where I just really like the guy. I'm rooting for him. I want these good guys to have so much success, and he fits the identity of that program so much. But like we saw with Scott Frost at Nebraska and eventually Ed Orgeron at LSU, you being a perfect fit somewhere doesn't always mean you're going to have a lot of success in the win totals. So right now I still want to be very, very bullish on South Carolina, and uh, and I'm rooting for Sam Pittman as well. Uh, it's just that was a rough season, especially when you turn returned a quarterback of K.J. Jefferson's status. David, with the expectations and the schedule that looms, is there any way Billy Napier makes it back to Gainesville in 2025? I don't think so, but I hope so. I never root for guys to get fired. And the thing with Billy Napier is, man, he's a great football coach. He walked into a situation, though, where – you have to be the best football coach. I mean, Urban Meyer, the best of the best, right? Like Urban Meyer is going to go down as a top five, top eight college football coach of all time. What he was able to do down in Gainesville was just absolutely incredible. So when you're coming in with the roster, the way that it was when Dan Mullen left, and you had the toughest schedule, one of the toughest schedules in the country this past season. You have the toughest schedule in the country this upcoming season uh, and still had big wins. Yeah, I mean, a great win over Utah a season ago, a great win over Tennessee this past season. Um, you know, Billy Napier has shown he can get it done. It's just to get over this particular circumstance, you have to be one of the best coaches in the country. I don't know if Billy Napier is that. I don't think he's going to make it through this next upcoming season. But like I said, I hope that I'm wrong because I would like to see the guy down in Gainesville. And maybe the powers that be down there are looking and saying, look, we can't bring in a new coach right now because we're about to go through the gauntlet of a schedule here. Um, let's give him 2024 and maybe we'll have the pick of our litter for a coach on the next cycle and get out in front of this. You know, for Florida fans, I understand how you're feeling. There's a lot of programs like Florida. And when I was at Michigan, when Rich Rodriguez came in, who don't think you have a floor to your program because things have been been so good for so long and you think well there's there there is no floor and you you quickly realize I think I had Florida going four and eight this past season they overperformed that by one game but still had had a losing record you know and yeah we we catch a lot of flack when we say things like that and we make these predictions but 
at some point you have to look at the schedule and you have to look at all the pieces and, and just say, Hey, here's what I'm seeing. It's up to a coach to go. To, I, I didn't have Missouri doing that well in the sec this past season uh, either. Look what Eli Drinkowitz was able to do. Yes, of course it's possible, especially with the recruiting class that Billy Napier just brought in. I'm looking at the top five names in the country. He's getting half of them, right? Like two of those guys are, are, are coming to Florida. Graham Mertz overperformed my expectations. I was not expecting him to play the way he did. Some of the balls he threw even in that first game against Utah I thought this is not the guy that I watch playing in the Big Ten how many guys do you know like that that go from the Big Ten where they they have poor performances come to the SEC especially with the schedule Florida had and I'm like this kid developed if he takes that next step in the, in this offseason you know who knows what they're capable of I'll say one more thing from an optics standpoint it didn't look great when Anthony Richardson in that first year went number four overall to the NFL now, I have this conversation with Florida fans a good bit. We know that Anthony Richardson getting drafted that high was much more off potential than what he did at Florida. I understand that, and we can have that conversation. I'm just saying from an optic standpoint, when you had a guy who's getting compared to Cam Newton, not by me, but by others, and he went number four overall, people are saying, how did a head coach not get more out of this guy? Some of that is fair. Some of that is unfair. But look, right now, as we sit here, Billy Napier is the head coach of the Florida Gators. And what an opportunity to go in and prove everyone wrong this year and punch above your weight. Because I know for, for sure, you're in a state where you can recruit the guys to punch above your weight. And you're at a program that has so much tradition and expectation and resource that it's certainly capable of doing. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. David Cohn of Crane & Company. David, last thing, and we'll get you out of here again. You run a daily segment on you guys' show called Get Off My Lawn, right? Which is you pick a topic, you give your unfiltered thoughts on it. What's your favorite Get Off My Lawn segment to this point that you've done? That's a great question. And just on the segment, uh, I have to thank, you know, Jake and Blaine Crane for that because they sort of, they had poked fun of me over the years and said, I'm the old curmudgeon and I'm, and I'm the grandpa of the group that's, uh, that's always complaining about these cultural and social issues. Well, coming to a place like the Daily Wire, that was perfect. They said, you know, you're the get off my lawn guy. Why don't you do a segment? And so I thought, okay, well, this will just be like a bonus YouTube segment to help us scale our channel. And I did the first one on Major League Baseball. And uh, Jake said, uh, no, you got to do this on the show. This is great. So there have been some some real some some winners uh, over the years. You know, the the uh, the one on um, uh, on U.S. soccer when they went overseas, that one did really well. And that was a hit. I got I got called a clown by Jalen Rose, who is a Michigan brother of mine for his Mount Rushmore take. Certainly the Rashard Mendenhall one recently about the all white versus all black Pro Bowl, which led to us simulating the game. Uh, so I don't know. I, I have a bunch of favorites but today's was uh to the california lawmakers who want to ban tackle football for kids under 12 years old i mean how ridiculous is that and i perfectly understand i'm acutely aware of the cognitive effects that cte can has uh, that, that, that they can have 
And uh, football is not for every 11-year-old, not for every 10-year-old. It's not for, for, for everyone across the board. But to have lawmakers tell us that the sport is too dangerous and that kids can't play it, are you kidding me? Have they once asked themselves, what are the risks of not playing it? How many kids are staying out of trouble because they're at football practice? How many kids get to meet a challenge head on with physical consequences and rise to that occasion and it gives them confidence to move forward and go through life? Forget about the guys who are able to earn a living, forget about the college scholarships opportunity, just to be able to rise to an occasion with a group of teammates and say, hey, we did that thing, even if it's nothing more than, than playing football as an 11, 12, 13-year-old kid. Uh, I, I'm not surprised by this move because I said 10 years ago when football is prohibited in this country, it'll start in California, but I'm certainly going to do my part to get it shut down. David Cohn of Crane and Company. Dave, appreciate you taking the time, man. Let's definitely do it again soon, and y'all keep up the great work. Thank you so much for having me. I'll come back anytime. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com slash audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com slash audio. That's carshield.com slash audio.